Welcome to the Anti-Woke Podcast. Today, we're going to get a couple of pipe-hitting brothers, a pair of pliers and a blowtorch, and we're going to get medieval on these wokesters' behinds. We're going to drop some F-bombs and drop some forbidden knowledge. Feel free to complain with comments on Spotify or on Twitter or YouTube, both at Anti-Woke Podcast. But now, let's joke around with stuff that you're not supposed to joke around with. The children book of the day at Fox News is Timmy has two mommies, and they both have penises. It's 1968, and we need to create a new superhero. Well, what's going on in the world? Ah, there's a civil rights movement. The Black Panthers are protesting in California. Let's create a black superhero. Yeah, great. What are we going to call him? I don't know. How about Batman? Evil Trump supporters are coming from outer space to attack humanity. And now, blacks and queers can be best friends. Lock her up. Lock her up. And him. And him too. Do you like to park your car in the street in front of your house at night? Well, if you do, then you're a racist. Yeah, there's no good crimes this week. I've, I've never done this for my podcast, but I went to Google News and I typed in mass shooting. Like, there's got to be one that they're just not talking about. And I spent at least 30 seconds on it, and all I came back with was the white guy who shot, shot up the Jewish church um, years ago. He got convicted. So I've mentioned that before. If you don't have a mass shooting for the week, then you just talk about a mass shooting in the past that was committed by a white man. Well, and in fact, my mass shooting crime tally that I've been running, this is the mainstream media accusing white men of a mass shooting, even if it happened years ago. So I think that would mean, and remember, I'm going to change, I'm going to start over from zero, from scratch, on July 1st. So I think that would now make five white mass shootings, even though some of them didn't happen this year. Actually, six. There was another one that they were talking about. Well, if you count these, it really gets white, white men, whatever, get out in the lead. But so that would be six white men, one transgender person. She was a white woman, white man. I don't know. I'm not going to count her in the white man category. I believe it's three Hispanic, three black, two East Asian, and one South Asian guy who had a Nazi flag. Whoops, pressed the wrong button. But so I think that still keeps East Asians out ahead with... Um, per capita. I mean, once I reset this thing, it probably won't be, won't be another East Asian mass shooting for a decade, but yeah, this is their time to shine. But anyways, white men are ahead in total amounts, East Asians per capita, and then blacks, which you normally suppress their mass shootings because they actually lead, you know, they're 75% of, of mass shootings in America. Uh, they're actually in the news some. And then Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of America, who leads the Justice Department. Trump calls it the Injustice Department. Anyways, that's the department that's prosecuting uh, Trump. But anyways, this week, they came out with their results. They've been trying to cook up a study saying that the Minneapolis police are racist ever since George Floyd got murdered there. And they cooked it up and they released it. And they had four major findings. I don't think I'll remember them, but one of them was the police are racist because they disproportionately... I don't know, pull over and arrest black people. 
You know, they don't go into, oh, black people commit twice as much crime, which is exactly how much they get arrested. You know, they also get arrested exactly twice as much or whatever the numbers are for that. That's America's numbers. I don't know what the numbers are for Minneapolis. I think that's actually kind of a white city. Actually, that would not affect those stats. Anywho, anyway, so they had, so that was the only, they had one false accusation of racism and then the rest of it had nothing to do. They were like, uh, you're not treating crazy people well. That was one of the four things. Um, they used pepper spray on rioters. So that's not good. That's, a, that's anti-free speech. People on the left are trying to be like, hey, remember when we were the ones who were supported free speech? Well, we still do. We support the speech of burning down buildings. I think the fourth one was a history of beating up people. I don't know. They have a history of beating up people, and then they have a history of beating up crazy people. So I don't know why they decided to break that into two. Maybe maybe because crazy people are black. Maybe that's code for something. Blacks are black what men black adults are 2.5 times as likely to have schizophrenia i don't know no one knows that so i don't know why they broke that into two parts i guess they were looking for another minority yeah a marginalized group as the cool kids say and so they're gonna put minneapolis police department under a consent degree consent decree which is i don't know just something you do when you want to fuck them over when you want to fuck over a police department the state of Minnesota has already done that. So anyways, the state and the feds, they're both going to do it because of, because Derek Chauvin put his knee on um, George Floyd's neck too long and killed him, murdered him. Um, oh, they mentioned that. They said Derek Chauvin had a history of excessive force. So it must have been a history of excessive force against white people because otherwise they would have said it. I mean, I'm sure they were hoping. They're like, please, God damn it, let them just have excessive force at least against one other black person so we can call him racist and say that America's racist. But they didn't say that, so I assume it must have been all white people or white adjacent like Asian. And so, I mean, you know, the end result of this is that the police are not going to be able to do anything about the crime in Minneapolis where black people are murdering each other like crazy ever since George Floyd. And they burned down tons of, and that's where they really burned down a lot of buildings. I've talked about this, you know, like you can just see footage of driving through Minneapolis and like in the old footage, it's a restaurant. In the current footage, it's just a concrete slab. So anyways, the lives of poor black people in bad Minneapolis neighborhoods will now be much worse. Anyways, the Justice Department is like, it's much more important to call America racist than to help poor black people. In fact, we don't care how many poor black people get murdered and die and lose their jobs and can't find, can't get food and their kids have to stay in all day long and can't play out in the park. We don't give a shit about that as long as we can care, call America racist. The recent Slate Money podcast was talking about parking and America probably has the most parking in the world, maybe even per person. But no one knows for sure because no one keeps track of parking. And if you ask a famous architect, how many parking spaces did he put below the skyscraper that he designed? He'll be like, I don't know. No one, no one knows about parking. And architect schools don't have any classes on parking. And if you're trying to hire an architect because you want to build a parking garage, you're going to get someone who doesn't know what they're doing. And parking meters could be an amazing thing that make it so you always have a place to park. 
but they've been abused to rip off the public. Like the ideal way to set the prices on parking meters would be you set it however high you have to so that there's always one spot left open on a block. And that would mean, you know, neighborhoods that have a bunch of restaurants that everyone wants to go to, you know, at dinner time, they'd have really high prices. And then as you go farther away from the restaurants, the blocks and their parking meters would get cheaper and cheaper. And maybe in the future, artificial intelligence and networking will give you a bunch of smart parking meters that do that. But currently, cities, I mean, they like money. And, you know, sometimes they'll, get, they'll let a company run the parking meters. They really like money. And the best way to make money with a parking meter is not to get someone to put a bunch of money into the meter. It's to catch people and give them a ticket. And so they set up things where there's never any parking and you're going to have to do something illegal if you want to go to the restaurant that you have a reservation for. And so they do that and then, you know, Americans hate parking meters. And New York, for instance, makes over 500 million dollars a year from parking tickets and then they make 200 million dollars a year from all the parking meters and all the parking buildings so they finally get to the interesting part like i have a buddy who lives in portland and he's lived in a condo for a long time and when i would visit him you could park in the street but then they started putting his condos like two stories they started putting like 10 story condos all around his little condo and they didn't build any parking for those places. His, his, his house has two parking spots per unit. These giant buildings have no parking spots, so now there's no parking anywhere. And so Slate Money, they're woke, they're like, whatever. They're trying to figure out how to say that basically you're gonna lose your parking spots. They're gonna, we're gonna have to build a bunch of places, and if you're already there, things are gonna be worse for you. But then the people who already live there, they're the people who control like zoning laws and stuff. So anyways, they're talking about it. What do you do? What do you do? The answer is you call them racist. If you don't want to let a whole bunch of people move into your neighborhood in giant buildings that haven't been built with any parking, so there's no more parking on the streets, then that makes you a racist. A recent Quillette podcast is talking about DEI training which stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion, which sounds like we're gonna bring everyone together, but it really means, hey, everyone who's not a straight white male, get those straight white males, get them. And a while back, Harvard did a study that came back with the result that there is no positive result from DEI training in the workplace. And they did the study before George Floyd, you can't do that study today. But the guy they're interviewing on the podcast you know, who, who can talk about this stuff? Uh, only a black man. He's, he's writing about it at um, The Atlantic, which got super woke after George Floyd, but I guess they're, I guess they're coming back a little bit. It used to be one of my favorite um, magazines. In some DEI trainings, they'll teach you that, you know, showing up on time for work and working hard, that's white supremacy. And he was trying to figure out where, the, where that came from, like whose idea, you know, what, what's the scientist who came up with that, that being white supremacy? And the answer is, some lady just thought it up one day. But he mentions a study that is related to the negative partisanship I'm always talking about. But so, they got a bunch of people together, or they studied a bunch of people, 
And when they told them that aliens were coming to Earth and they were evil aliens who were going to attack everyone, it made people like human beings that were different from them more. Like humans have this, you know, tribalism, us versus them. If you make them be evil aliens from space, then all of a sudden, you know, you're on the side of all the humans. You know, maybe some humans you didn't previously like very much. And so, you know, evil Trump supporters are coming from space to attack humanity. And all of a sudden, you know, blacks and queers are best friends. And they mentioned Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I believe it's from philosophy, but it's, it's kind of like a pyramid. And at the bottom, you have air and food. So these are the things that a person needs the absolute most. Then above that, you need safety and shelter. So that's getting smaller, going up the pyramid. Then above that, you need friends and family. And then the tip of the pyramid is self-actualization. And I think that's just a that's just a fancy word for high self-esteem. And probably you want to think of yourself as a good person. But it's kind of easy to see how DEI wokeness, you know, in a workplace or, you know, on Facebook, um, how people come to that place. You know, in America, you know, we got air. We clean the air is clean enough, we can breathe, we got food. We're safe, we're not getting murdered, you know, we're not getting, hopefully, raped. We have some friends, we have some family. And so, you know, all that's covered for basically every American, you know, if you're not homeless. And so what you're left with there, the last little thing that you want, the cherry on top, the tip of the pyramid, is that you are wonderful and you're making the world a better place. And it's hard because there's so many people, right? We can't all be... George Washington or Martin Luther King or whoever you think really made the world a better place. But if you can invent in your mind a bunch of evil racists and then convince yourself that you're fighting them, you know, with all your might, you know, you're the new Rosa Parks. You know, I am actually the this millennia's Rosa Parks. But anyways, people people who are not the new Rosa Parks like to think that they are too. Now there are people on the planet who don't have you know, good air, food, clean water. So you might think that people at the top who want high self-esteem for helping people would go help those people, but they don't. That's not what self-esteem is tied to. It's not whether or not the person actually is helped. It's whether or not you feel like you're helping, I guess. I mean, basically, people are stupid. Um, and remember, stupid doesn't mean low IQ. It means wrong. But it's not, an ex- it's not exact. You can't say... You know, if I just would have said people are wrong, that wouldn't that wouldn't convey what I mean when I what I really mean. People are stupid, and when I say people are stupid, it means people have the wrong beliefs, the wrong ideas, the wrong ideology. But that's long. That's a long, hard thing to say. So you just say people are stupid. Well, and to be fair, this DEI training stuff that I talk about, it's what I hear about on the internet, which is probably not the normal. DEI training, right? This is the stuff that happens at universities and, you know, gay pride theater troops. Whereas, you know, if you got a trucking company with a few hundred employees, you just buy a videotape on Amazon that tells people, you know, don't grab women's butts, don't call black people the N-word, don't make fun of 
Mexicans food, don't call them Mexicans, each year highly respected pollster Gallup polls America to see if they identify as conservative or liberal. And this year it was 38% highly conservative, 29% highly liberal. And that's a 13-point swing towards the conservative since 2020 when it was 30% highly conservative, 34% highly liberal. I mean, I think after George Floyd, a lot of people are like, well, you know, they got the message. They knew how to answer the pollster. And with polls, you know, the absolute numbers can't be, I mean, they can be trusted. They're not that useful, but more, I mean, they're somewhat useful, but more useful than just the numbers. Oh, 38, whatever, you know, 38 versus 30 is the trend. So people, you know, I believe the trend. People, people are saying, feeling like they can say to a pollster that they are more conservative. I believe that. And I'm not a conservative. I'm even, I mean, you know, I am what would be called highly liberal 10 years ago. I guess, you know, now I'm a Nazi, but I like to see the conservative thing going up because the liberal side needs a big wake-up call. They used to be on the right side of history and... The media and Trump derangement syndrome has made them be the bad guys today. So, anyways, this is good. The number of bad guys is decreasing. And I think a lot of it is this transgender stuff. Because the transgender stuff has been mixed with kids, that has allowed people to feel like they, they're on the right side. You know, if you oppose that, you're on the right side. You're not... Someone calls you, you know, if you're like, I oppose gay marriage, and someone calls you a bigot, you're like, oh, maybe I should shut up. But if you're like, I oppose teaching kids to be transgender, and someone says you're a bigot, you're like, fuck you, I'm not a bigot, that ain't right. I'll stand up for that one. That one I'll stand up for. Well, not so much the other one. And the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which was the bunch of gay guys. It was normally a bunch of gay guys, but now they got maybe some trans in there or something. Anyways, basically a bunch of gay guys would dress up as kind of demonic-looking nuns and... They would go around doing anti-Catholic stuff. I don't know. I think they would just go bar hopping and then mime gay sex. I don't know. Spank each other like a nun. Maybe have some gay sex on a stage if they get drunk enough. But anyways, they went to the stadium, for the, the Dodgers stadium, and they were recognized for being a wonderful group because they're, I don't know, making kids trans or something. I mean, they've only been making the kids trans for a few years now, so they have a long history of some other kind of charity work because they've been around for decades. So they weren't always, they didn't usually make kids trans. That's just the new thing to do. But I think, I think the Dodgers are a little scared. I don't know. I'm talking about this a little bit before I know the, all the facts. But there's some video of them being recognized. They're on the field. You know, some official is saying something. And, but it's before the game. And so the, there's, there's no one in the stands. I mean, you know, a place that can hold 50,000 people maybe has 100 people. And some of the people are cheering and some of the people are booing. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. There's so few people there. And then there was what looked like thousands. It was a big crowd anyways. It looked like thousands of people were outside the stadium praying. You know, that was their protest. And this is the part I don't know. But I imagine they were going to honor them when there was more people in the stands. Like, did people stay away from the game in protest? Or did they just be like, hey, normally we do this in the middle of the game, you know, the seventh inning stretch. But 
This one we're going to do an hour before the game starts, and hopefully no one notices. So that part, I don't know, but I don't know. But I guess I would say the anti-woke, or in this case, I guess the Christians, they won this round. And basically, these corporations, they are, I don't know, they're like, holy crap, we didn't mean to stir up these hornet's nests. But they also can't say, we're sorry for doing this trans stuff. Like, that would be, they can't, they can't go that far, because then people on the left would attack them. I mean, they're already doing that, but attack them too much, so... I guess that's, a, that's the, the next thing I'm waiting on is to hear someone apologize. To hear some corporation apologize. I mean, they'll apologize all day long for slavery or something else they had nothing to do with. But, you know, getting a, basically an anti-Christian hate group and giving them an honor, you know, they're not going to apologize for that. Fuck Christians. And Blocked and Reported podcast made a good point about this. If those guys have been doing, have been dressing up like Muhammad... And then, you know, bending each other over and mining, miming anal sex. Like, I mean, well, people, first off, people will get their limbs blown off, probably. But anyways, no one would think that was okay. So, there's obviously a anti-Christian bias in corporate America and just America in general today. And I think that's because Christian codes is white and Muslim codes is brown. Even though there's plenty of white women who marry a Muslim and convert, and then he goes to Saudi Arabia and takes the kids, and then she follows, and then they lock her in a hotel room for years, and she can't get out. Well, that just happens sometimes. And the conservative boycott of Bud Light has knocked them off from being the number one beer in America. I don't know what's number one now. It's, I imagine, either Miller Light or Coors Light. And the conservative boycott of Target, we don't really know how that's going, or I don't. Um, I think if you look at the stock price, so Target is way down. But you can't just do that because, for instance, Kroger is way down. So, you know, some retail stores are just way down. Walmart is not down. Kroger and Target are down. So you don't know if Target's down because of larger market forces or because of the boycott. And plus, and also there's a lag. Like, you know, the boycott probably has only been going on a month or two and it usually takes a few months to find out and google has a good interface for looking at stock prices um you know if you just type in target stock it'll show you a graph of the day's stock price and you know you can click on something to see it over the last year for instance to see if it's actually down i haven't looked into it too much i think disney is down quite a bit right now they're the lowest since like 2012 but that doesn't necessarily mean anything Although I think it does actually mean something in this case. And then I think it was known before, but it turns out that Fox News, or Fox, Fox News is owned by Fox Corporation, Fox Corp. And so it turns out Fox Corp is very pro-transing the kids. I mean, just like every other large corporation. And I think it just means, I don't think it's like truck driver yearly meeting. You know, yearly meetings for the truck drivers is... Don't grab women's asses. I imagine for corporate Fox people, it's uh, they probably got a you know they probably have a yearly meeting that says white people are evil and um, let your you know let your kids be trans if they want. I mean, I think basically they just you know there's they get some woke person who sends out emails to the whole company like, hey, you know here's a book you can read to your kids. You know, Timmy has two mommies and both of them have penises. And I think, you know, basically, if you, have, if you have someone whose dedicated job in your corporation is to send out emails 
saying read transgender books to your kids, then that gets you points in the ESG score. Right? ESG, that's that woke capitalism thing where retirement funds use old people's money to make corporations discriminate against whites and fight climate change. And so I don't know why I was a little bit surprised, but like the top two owners of Fox Corp stock are Vanguard and BlackRock. You probably have a Vanguard account, dear listener. But if you go to Google, you can type in a company name and say, I don't know, something about, you know, large, uh, largest shareholders. And pretty much always, so there's three of them. There's BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. So two or three out of those three will be the largest shareholders for every single company in America. And, you know, I have money in Vanguard, and I don't like how, Van, you know, Vanguard could use their power to stop all this corporations from transing the kids or promoting it but do i want to call in and go through all the paperwork and the getting put on hold i mean it would be a freaking nightmare for me to try and move that money out of vanguard i mean let me put it this way you can make every kid in america transgender as long as i do not have to call vanguard and deal with that crap and i'm pretty sure conservatives across america would agree i mean we need a law where investors, retirees, um, you know, opt out, opt in or opt out. I mean, opt in would be the best, right? Where you have to say, yes, use my money to promote ESG. Or at least, how about just a little box that says, don't use my money to promote ESG. I want to stay with Vanguard. I don't want to go through the nightmare of moving my money, but don't use my money for stuff that I don't agree with. And I think that would be totally legal to pass that law. I mean, basically, there's your solution. And I'm developing a theory on ESG because they got, you know, they got well, E, S, and G. There's three things. But basically, there's kind of like two things. There's fight climate change, and then there's discriminate against white males, right? E is climate change, and S and G are both discriminating against white males in different ways. And so, you know, there's no reason why fighting climate change has to go along you know, you can only fight climate change as long as if you also discriminate against white males. I mean, hell, if they have like little check boxes on there, for me, I would say, I don't care if you fight climate change. If you want to fight climate change, go for it. What I care about is stop the discrimination against all people. You know, you don't have to say white males, just say stop discrimination against any type of person. That works for me. That wording works fine for me. But anyways, whoever cooked up this stuff, and it might have been BlackRock, or at least they certainly certainly promoted it and made it super popular, um, they were kind of genius. Because I think, okay, so here's the theory. There are people who really believe in the climate change problem and want to fight climate change, you know, and do it with the corporations, and they think they got good reasons. And, you know, I think arguably they do have good reasons. It may turn out in the long run that they're wrong, but anyways, they got, they can have, you can come up with a good rationale. And then some genius was like, okay, we know people are going to want to fight climate change. Let's just add this thing about discrimination against white males in there. And, you know, there's probably a few people in a dark room somewhere, you know, a few decades ago who thought of that. And then here we are now. Let's continue the discussion of genetics, race, and human history from last week. This information is coming from Razib Khan on the Coleman Hughes podcast and also from my brain. And I've talked about this before um, in my back catalog, 
Look for maybe race and DNA if... Please, sir, may I have some more? And I think if you go on Wikipedia today, not ten years ago, they'll say that race is a social construct. What does that mean? That means it's purely a society thing. Different societies are going to have different races because it's made up whole cloth by society. Now, that ain't true. Race is a totally real genetic thing. But also, that's racist. So now there's tons of college professors all across America who will write a paper saying that race is a social construct, even though that's false. But basically, it's like, you know, the sky, you know, 10 years ago, the sky was blue. But if, you know, America, whatever, if people in power decided that's racist, you can't say the sky is blue. It turns out that people will go, oh, okay, the sky is not blue. Just don't call me racist. What would you like to, what would you like me to call the sky? Oh, call it a social construct. Got it. And the disingenuous way a social constructionist person will try and win the argument is they'll be, they'll like, you know, they'll go back hundred, you know, you always go to the past. That's the easiest. And be like, this white man from 200 years ago said that, you know, Indians and eight and whatever, people from India and people from Chinese are the same race. But look, look at the DNA, they're different. But that does not make it a social construct. It just, you know, that's science. As you learn more, as you develop DNA tests and whatnot, you just find out, you find out some of the things that people thought in the past were wrong. Uh, not a shocker. But if you want to try and avoid being called a racist, instead of using the word race, you use population group. But I think, you know, most people are not talking about this, but if you if you're in the Ivy or no, if you're if you're in academia hanging out with PhDs, um I think they're hip to the population group thing and calling it that is also considered racist now. They're like, "No, nah, no, nah, you you can't just change the word from race to population group." So I think now you're not you're not there's no there's not supposed to be a, a single phrase that you can just substitute in for race. They want you to do a whole sentence. Um I think you're supposed to say maybe like Groups of people with common ancestry. That's what you do now. And I'm sure common ancestry is about to be deemed racist also. And so basically, people today, you know, like their skin color, that is determined to, you know, largely by the amount of sunlight where their ancestors came from. And actually, I'm not sure on this. If you come from a really hot, sunny, on the equator place like Africa, you get dark skin. And, you know, dark colors absorb more sunlight, but I think it also stops you from getting sunburned. So, you know, and maybe, you know, sunlight on your skin gives you vitamin D. But in any case, if you got lots of hours of hot sun, you get darker skin. And if you live in a place that is dark, you know, half the year, like Scandinavia, you get light skin. And then in between those places, you get less light or less dark skin. But anyways, the way that they've basically proven that race is a real thing, or population groups, I'm just going to say race, because I'm not politically correct. But the way they know is they've taken DNA tests of people all across the planet, and they've given it to computers, and the computers have done statistical grouping. It's just, you know, which DNA, this DNA is closer to this DNA, and it's farther away from that DNA. So, they, you know, you group the close ones and you end up with clusters. And the computer doesn't know about social constructs, and yet it comes up with basically the same races. 
You can ask a computer for however many groups you want. You can say, give me one group. And it's just like, okay, well, there's a human race and everyone's the same. And so that's all me talking. Some of this is this is coming from Razib Khan a bit. If you break it down, if you break humans down into two groups, you get the Khoisan and everyone else. The Khoisan are a certain kind of African in the in the su- southern part of Africa, basically South Africa. They're called the Bush people sometimes. If you ever seen the movie The Gods Must Be Crazy, uh, that fellow is a Khoisan, and so I think it means that their DNA is the most ancient. Basically, there was there was the Khoisan type of people, and then someone, you know, some people split off of them, and that became everyone else. And if I say Indian in this episode, I mean South Asian, not Native American. But if you ask a computer to break down humanity into, for instance, four groups, you get Africans, whites, Asians, and Amerindians. That's the people in... Um, North and South America, like Amerindian, American Indian. I don't know. I wish there was a better name for that. I'm sure there is a better name. And so that's pretty close to, you know, the classic definition of races. And you can find outliers. Like I think some Asians moved over to the New World and became Eskimos, stuff like that. And you can break it down further. You can ask a computer, hey, why don't you, why don't you cluster... Um, People, people in Asia into groups, and it'll be like, okay, you got your Chinese people, and you got your Indians, and you got your Filipinos, you know, and just however, you know, however many you want it broken down into, um, the computer can do it. If you say break it down into 8 billion clusters, it'll just be, each cluster will be one person. It'll be everyone. And Africa was the place that humans come from, so... Just in general, they have like the oldest school DNA, and it also means that their DNA is the most different. Like basically, everyone on the planet, everyone except for Africans, um, all came from maybe one or two groups of, of, of people who left Africa and then populated the whole planet. And so, if you, you know, you can go find an African, you know, one African tribe that's 100 miles away from another African tribe, and their DNA will be more different you know, basically their race, they are their, they're two different races, if you want to break it down that far. They are of a far different race, just those two African tribes that, you know, ancient Europeans would say are the exact same stuff. Um, and they'll be, they'll be way more different than whites are from Chinese or any, anything, any of the people that left Africa. Like, I don't, I haven't seen a map of this, but I think if you, you know, if you break the world down into a hundred groups, you probably get like, 50, 50 groups outside of Africa, and then 50 groups within Africa, or more. This is where diversity is a real thing, in Africa. Like the Nilots, that's the tallest kind of people on the planet. Minute Bull from the NBA, if you know him. Like, his kind of person is way different from the Pygmies, which is the shortest kind of person on the planet. And so why is all that considered racist? Um, it's because there's a lot of different differences between groups of people around the planet. Uh, you can imagine some of them. And, you know, why, why is this group different from that group? Is it culture? Is it genetics? Is it systemic racism? Well, it's not genetics, you racist. And so, you know, this is going down that path that there might possibly be a difference between some groups. I mean, or even some individuals. I mean... The reason why one person is tall and the other person is short is systemic racism, and you're racist if you don't think so. Anywho, Razab Khan gives some examples that are interesting. 
So how about Ashkenazi Jews? They're interesting. You know, that's the kind of Jews we have in America. They're the people who get the highest score on IQ tests. They're also whatever. They're very rich. They tend to be bankers and movie moguls. And in my opinion, they're the reason why America is so powerful. You need a good number of Ashkenazi Jews to invent nuclear energy and nuclear bombs and plastic and everything else. And then the rest of us dumb Americans can work in the factories, you know, that are created because of those scientific breakthroughs. But anyways, so the Ashkenazi Jews, they were, they were, they were a separate, they were, they were multiple different kinds of people. They were, um, they're a mixture of Middle Eastern, Central European, and Western European. So I think maybe like, you know, someone from Iraq, someone from Germany, and someone from maybe Spain. And they got all mixed up with their DNA. And then about the year 1200 AD, they stopped mixing with any other people. And just, you know, that mixture of DNA that they had in 1200, they kept it to today. I mean, now they intermarry, but for, a, you know, until recently, they never intermarried. And so they're just the same kind of holdover of these certain kind of European, certain kind of Middle Eastern. And I've never heard exactly why they're so smart. There was this thing where Christians didn't allow people to loan money, so the Jews did that, and then you, maybe you got to be good at math if you're dealing with a lot of money. I mean, that's just, I didn't make up that theory. I don't know why. There's one theory. I don't think that one's right. I mean, probably helps. The other one is, is people always hated Jews because they didn't intermarry, and so they got murdered a lot since 1200, and, you know, maybe only the smart ones live. That's just throwing that out there. I mean, what's crazy is just me spitballing for like a minute there is some of the most cutting edge, you know, far out science on genetics happening in the world today. You know, you, you just listen to real science right there because scientists who have a job and make money off of it, they know not to look into any of this stuff because it's racist. So, you know, we don't know. It'd be, it's probably very easy to figure out, but no one's working on it because we don't want to know. It's forbidden knowledge. And then Razib Khan, he used to work for 23andMe, the company where you send in your DNA and then they tell you what country your ancestors came from. And he's saying that, you know, modern country borders do not match up with population groups from the ancient days. But you still gotta, whatever, that's what the customer wants. They want to know what country their ancestors came from. And so he mentions that Germans in America, which I think is the largest ethnic group, maybe of, of, of white people, possibly. Germans are not really a population group. Northern Germany has people that are like people from Denmark. Uh, the, uh, the right side of Germany is like Polish people. The left side is like northern French people. And then the French people are also a mixture. They're not really, there's no one type of DNA for French people. But when you pay your money and send in your saliva, uh, you want to hear Germany. So they use computers to go, ah, this looks like a, a part Dane, part Pole, part French person. Tell them they're a German. And he says if you really told German people what they are, they'd be like 15% European hunter-gatherer, 35% European farmer, and 50% corded wear. And I don't know what corded wear is, but some kind of 
primitive or ancient European person. Well, colonialism controls this podcast too, so let's talk about the Europeans. So there was one group of people that left Africa and went to Europe like a long, long, long time ago, long before all the other Europeans got there. And uh, they're the Laplanders. There's another name for them that escapes me. But they are still protected. They, you know, they live in the super northern parts of Scandinavia, and they're protected kind of like Native Americans are in America. And they kind of look like Eskimos, except for they're more white. And I think some of them are like blonde hair, blue-eyed, but that might be because, you know, the only people to intermarry with up there would have been, uh, you know, Vikings and whatnot. But, so, not counting them, basically, the Europeans came from, I think, okay, there was, so 2500 BC, there was a group of people that split up, and half of them went to Europe, and the other half went to Iran. And so, genetically, like, the Disney princess from Beauty and the Beast is going to be somewhat close to the Disney princess from Aladdin. And so Princess Jasmine, she, you know, her people, they, they were in the area around Iran, and then they headed down towards India. I think this group, you know, I think this group, the people that went off became Europeans and then the Persians. Um, they're kind of, they're, they're a later kind of person. Like there was people in India. They didn't go to India and find it empty. They found it full of what we would think of as Indians. But northern India has... Well, it has people that have more white facial features and lighter skin. And that's because it's this group that came from Persia on down. And Khan mentions Nikki Haley. Like, she's Indian. It's, I forget the name. Some sort of Punjabi something. But if you look at Nikki Haley, she's running for president um, as a woman of color, uh, Republican Party. But she looks white. And that's because her DNA is pretty dang similar to European, even though her people or her ancestors grew up in India. I got a message on Spotify the other day. So apparently, if you want to basically leave me a voicemail and you have a Spotify account, you can do that. I'm not telling you to do that. I just didn't know that was possible. And so I got like this, basically it's like a voicemail and it's set up for me to throw it into my podcast as a clip with like two clicks. They make it real easy. And so this message was with someone with a, a man with a British accent saying that he had the most woke story ever. I forget what he said, a real travesty of justice. And I was like, well, if you got a good story, just, you know, leave a five minute message telling your story and maybe I'll throw it in the podcast. But he said it, he wants to do an interview. The story is too long. It goes across three continents, involves three police departments. And I asked him how he thought of me. And I don't think he listens to podcasts. Probably never listened to one in his life. But he typed in anti-woke podcast into Google and found me. And maybe I'll talk about it sometime. But like on YouTube, it's easy to be discovered. Um, you know, if they're not suppressing you. But with podcasting, the way things are set up, RSS feed, blah, blah, um, it's hard to be discovered. So I think, you know, the only genius part of my podcast is the name. 
So I've been doing it for two or three years and I think I've been contacted or maybe you have told a friend and then they've made a comment about it like five to ten times, like period. No one ever talks to me. And then Spotify says that 200 people listen to each episode. They could be making that up. It may be, you know, I can confirm that at least a couple people have listened to a couple episodes. Beyond that, it may just be all made up. Okay, I exaggerate. But actually, let me read the clip from the, e- or the email. Let me read the email from this guy because that part I did not exaggerate. Here's what he said in an email. So I said, I got your message. If it's a good woke story, I would include it in an episode. The easiest way would be if you just left the story as a message just the way you told me your email. Spotify is set up for me to add those messages to a podcast with a couple clicks. And then he said, But it's long and it covers three continents, three police forces, and the second highest lawyer in the British government. So that's that interaction. But um, the other interaction that I've had, I've had twice now, um, is I've mentioned hot chicks in my podcast and uh and then people have been like oh whatever they've gone and looked them up i think i've recommended going and looking look up a picture of this hot chick one was uh scott adams's ex-wife who's insanely hot and the other one was a cheerleader influencer who was blowing up the internet because she was so hot i forget her name but so that's something like 20 percent of the communications i've ever got or about, about hot chicks, so, you know, give the audience what they want. I'm going to tell you about another hot chick. Oh, yeah, and one of the communications I got was from a female listener who just wanted to tell me that I have a female listener, because I think in a podcast I said it's all dudes. So if you're still listening, lady, uh, I don't know. You know, I think women like to look at hot chicks, too. They like to, I don't know about, probably not my listeners. Not my listeners who are perfect women, but... um. You know, they like to compare, judge, tear down. So there's this military, army, U.S. Army influencer. Look her up. Uh, her name is like Lu Jan or Lu Han. It's L-U-J-A-N. And so look up Lu Han Army. And I think the first hit you'll get is like her TikTok. But so it's this 20-something... Smoking hot white girl who thinks she's on TikTok, she's on YouTube, I'm sure she's on Instagram, I'm sure she's on all the ones that I'm not on, and then she's she's on YouTube. That's where I first saw her. Let's talk uh, women on YouTube for a second. So I was having some problems with my internet, I think maybe YouTube, I forget what. Something was going wrong with my internet experience, and so I got a whole bunch of... Um, what are they called? Chrome extensions. And these are things, you know, you get like an ad blocker for your Chrome browser, whatever. So what you can do when you're having problems is you go turn off every single one of your extensions and then see if the problem disappears. And then you start adding them back one at a time as you need, you know, as you, whatever, as you want. And then when you, when you turn one particular one on and the problem appears, you're like, ah, it's that extension causing the problem. And anyways, that's a that's a system of doing things. I think that didn't work for me. But what it did mean is that I turned off all my ad blockers. And so I watch a ton of YouTube, and then there I am watching YouTube with ads. 
And I've made this complaint about TikTok the other, I don't know, like a month ago. But it's the same problem with YouTube. So, you know, YouTube has a personalized bunch of videos that they feed me. And so I got like, you know, it's like half welding videos and half women shaking their money makers. And so YouTube knows that I'm a dude. It knows what I like. But now it's, it's a, here's, here's YouTube's big chance to throw some advertisements in front of me. And they throw ads for women's clothing. And so there it is again, you know, apparently women are stupid and will waste their money on clothing that most of the cost of the clothing is spent on advertising. Because even when they know for a fact that you are a man, they still put ads of women's clothing in front of you. Like putting an ad for a welder in front of me, they know that, that I mean, apparently that's not worth their time. They're like, oh, it's a man. He already bought a welder or... You know, he does research and finds out the highest rated welder and buys that welder. There's no point in trying to influence him with an ad. We need to find someone who's dumb enough to buy something based on an advertisement. And normally dumb just means wrong, but does it mean low IQ in this case? Gullible? It means something else. I guess it means easily influenced. So apparently women are dumb enough rephrase that, are easily influenced enough by ads to buy clothing, and so whatever, that's what all the ads are, even if they got to show a bunch to men who will never buy it. But so Lujan, L-U-J-A-N, um, she shows up in the shorts section of YouTube, have you seen that? It's like the TikTok section of YouTube that you can't, I don't want them to show it to me, but anyways, YouTube forces me to scroll past that to get to the other stuff. And the video of hers that I clicked on, I mean, I only watched like one or two videos of her, was basically, it was just a smoking hot chick shooting a gun. So, you know, I'll watch that. And, you know, it's only, it's only a 30 second video. Fine, I'll bite. And so here's kind of the, inter here's where it gets a little interesting. It's not, I guess you can call them e-girl. Okay, what is the slang for a hot chick in a portrait, um aspect ratio video on the internet you know and the video is less than a minute long um you, they you, so not they used to call them t-h-o-t's thoughts which standard for that hoe over there i think that's your lower class hot chick making portrait scale short videos or not lower class don't don't kink shame whatever more sexual it's more sexual a more sexual type of girl doing those videos and then I, the, maybe the more, um, I don't know if it's politically correct, anyways. Another term for it is e-girl. I guess email is the electronic internet version of mail. Well, an e-girl is the internet version of a girl. And so ladies, don't judge me, but when I see a thought or an e-girl, um, the first thing I do, because this works freaking 97% of the time, I exaggerate, but as I just type in, the, I go to Google, I type in the name, you know, the username of the e-girl, and then I type in the word nude, and I go to Google image search, I find a picture of her breasts, and I say, ah, that's what her breasts look like, and then that's it. I don't do anything weird. I don't, I mean, that's it. Then I just close the tab. Done. But that's just what happens to my, you know, to my uh, ape brain, is if I see a video that's less than a minute long, it's in portrait, and it has a hot chick, it just makes me go, I wonder what her tits look like. And so I go find out and then I can move on.
And I'll tell you, if, if, the, if I can't find a picture, whatever, then the e-girl sticks with me longer. And it's annoying. It's not a good, I don't know, whatever. It's, uh, I mean, I'll say again, I'm not doing anything weird, but anyway, it makes, makes me think, like, you know, it gives you blue balls. Anyway, so I go look up Lou Jan nude, and there are no nude pictures of her. And in fact, I guess she's kind of a mystery girl on the internet. I mean, basically, I saw a 30-second video, I did a nude search, came back with nothing. I thought that was the end of it, but, you know, YouTube is owned by Google, so maybe my Google search or my YouTube clicking. Anyways, YouTube um, suggested a video to me, which was, Is Lou Jan a PSYOP? And if you go looking for Lou Jan on Google, that's one of the things that suggests to you. Is she a PSYOP? And that stands for Psychological Operation. I mean... Oh, you know what? I didn't finish my advertising story. The thing I wanted to say, so not only is it trying to advertise to me women's clothing, but the models are, they're all fat. So that's that woke thing that, whatever. Anyways, you know, plus size models, you gotta, you gotta show off your clothing with fat women. Whatever. But so YouTube suggested a, is Lou Jan a, a PSYOP video to me, to some army guy. I actually watched a number of army you know men former men who used to be in the army talking about stuff maybe the ukraine war but this young army guy um he was breaking down lujan and like she has videos where i mean i haven't watched these but maybe i will but like she has videos where she goes and shoots a gun on an army range like the army does not let you just go to their gun range and give you a bunch of guns and a bunch of free ammo and shoot their guns and whatever. So anyways, she knows people in the army. And it's not like she's a private and she's just filming her day as a private. I don't, I don't think they allow that. Basically, the army is using her as an advertisement to make the army look good. Like, hey young men, smoking hot e-girls uh, enjoy being in the army. You know, and it's just that thing where they use celebrities for advertising uh like what's I'm trying to think what was the 80s ad for colt 45 they had that black actor who was like it works every time anyways you know these rich and famous people are not drinking shitty malt beverages but it just you know people are like oh it, whatever it just works on the human brain hot chicks sell stuff celebrities sell stuff you know i need some 300 dollars basketball shoes because Celebrity X wears them. So anyways, the army is using hot chicks, which makes sense. I mean, they used to, whatever. They should have been doing that a long time ago. I guess they should be using, that's to get men into the army. I guess they should be doing pictures of fat women to get the women into the army. Apparently it works on clothing. But PSYOP stands for psychological operation. And it's a thing that like militaries do to other countries when you're trying to destroy other countries, you know. It's a fine line between advertisement and psyop. It's kind of like a psyop for a military with a, you know, just wartime uh, motivation. And I think there's a number of other hot chicks that the army is using um, for their advertisement slash psyops. The video I was watching, he pulled in a clip from Tucker Carlson, where Tucker like plays one some other smoking hot woman doing army stuff. And he's like, this is a postmodern psyop. I don't know. I mean, that's all I got. I don't really have anything to say about it. Uh, 
anything useful to say about it. This will not uh, help you know which stocks to go buy because of these postmodern e-girl psyops. But I'm trying to make my um, podcast like 50 to 70 minutes long. And this one was looking like it was going to be short. I think after all this crap, it's probably going to be another long-ass one. My last one was an hour and a half. And I think more people are listening to it. I don't know what's wrong with people. Why was Black Panther, the superhero, portrayed by a black actor in the movie Black Panther? Well, Black Panther first appeared in an issue of the Fantastic Four. I think it was number 52, which came out in maybe 1968. And that comic was written by Stan Lee and drawn by Jack Kirby. And they were a couple of New York Jews who started working on comics, I think when they were teenagers, like around 1940. But by the late 60s, they were writing and drawing um, a ton of comics every month. They had like Fantastic Four, Avengers, Captain America, Hulk, Iron Man. I mean, it's amazing how many... It's, it's, it's pretty easy to write a comic book, maybe, or, you know, it seems like it is. It looks easy when Stan Lee does it, put it that way. But then Jack Kirby was drawing every one of these things. A lot of comic, comic artists cannot do one comic a month. But he was doing like five or ten of them. And they're all super famous. They've all gotten their own movies. But when you're pr- producing that many comic books, you're like, what am I going to write about? You know, it's not this month. It's like, what, what am I going to write about today? Tomorrow's a different comic book. What am I going to write about today? And I think, you know, in 1968, you look around you for some inspiration. You're like, oh, hey, black power, civil rights, you know, protesting. Let's make a black superhero. What are we going to call him? How about Batman? Ah, shoot, that one's already taken. And I wish I knew how long it took him to come up with the name Black Panther. I bet it was pretty quick. I mean, did they go through Tiger Man, Lion Man, Black Panther Man. Hey, how about just Black Panther? I mean, I bet they went straight to Black Panther. Actually, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's probably named after the Black Panthers. Yeah, there we go. And, you know, as an aside, I'm sure Stan Lee has some interview where he talks about how he did it. But you can't trust what he says. I was watching a a documentary on Stan Lee that interviewed him a bunch. And he was talking about the time he created Thor, you know, like the guy from the movie. Thor, also drawn by Jack Kirby. And Stan Lee's like, yeah, well, you know, we'll take this, this famous god and we'll make a comic book about him. And then he, <laughs> Stan Lee's so funny. He's so old. In this interview, he's, you know, he's, he's on his, almost on his deathbed. He's on his mental deathbed. He's like, yeah, we'll make this comic about a god, Thor. And he says, and then my brother-in-law said, hey, you know what you should name his hammer? You should name it Mjolnir. And so we named his hammer Mjolnir which is the real name of Thor's hammer from Norse mythology, but Stan Lee thought that him and his brother-in-law invented that name. And the person interviewing him did not correct him. But anyways, that's how the Black Panther character was created in the 60s. And then when you're going to make a movie of Black Panther, because you've already done 10 other big Marvel heroes, and why not do Black Panther? Well, it's a black character, so you get a black actor. And that's all pretty easy, easy, A, B, leads to C, no problem. And there's not really anything in there to get mad about. Now why is The Little Mermaid portrayed by a black actress? 
Well, it's a couple things. Uh, the main thing is that evil white people oppressed black people for hundreds of years. And then more specifically, a white cop kept his knee on the neck of a black criminal in 2020. And he did it so long, the criminal died. So evil white oppression for hundreds of years plus evil white police officer, therefore Black Little Mermaid. Two big movies came out this weekend and they both flopped. There was The Flash, which is part of the DC universe, like Superman, Batman. And superhero movies should make over a hundred million, um, probably way over. And it looks like it's getting 55 million, so flop. I don't think there's a big woke, anti-woke aspect to it. The star, Ezra Miller, is non-binary and goes by they, them. And also is known for letting girls under the age of 18 live with him and take acid with him. And some reviews really liked the movie, but it got a cinema score of B, which is bad. So maybe it was just a bad movie that people didn't want to go see. And then usually it's one, you know, in quotes, blockbuster per weekend, but Pixar's Elemental came out this week. And Pixar is part of Disney, so, you know, if you're anti-woke, you want Disney to fail until they correct their ways. And this is a big year for animated movies. Um, Super Mario Brothers started with 140, and Across the Spider-Verse got 120, so 30 is pretty bad. Someone I was watching was breaking down the plots of, like, the last five Pixar movies, and... I don't know, four out of five or five out of five were people having parent issues. Like their parents wanted them to go this way in life, but they wanted to dance or something. Oh, and Elemental was a heavy-handed plot about how racism is bad, so that does not bring them out. I think uh, a lot of the movies lately, Hispanics are... A larger proportion of the movie-going audience than whites. It's like about, it seems like lately it's about like 31 to 30 percent. So it's very close, neck and neck, but Hispanics are winning. And maybe because there's a lot of young Hispanic people in America. And then Asians were 25 percent of Elemental's audience, which is it's about as high as I've ever seen Asians be for a movie. Um, and then blacks were 5 percent for Elemental, which was pretty low. Blacks did not turn out for that one, even though it was about racism. I don't think they knew. I don't think anyone knew. Like, if you want them to make more Black Mermaid movies, you probably should have showed up to watch Pixar's Elemental. Just so Disney doesn't declare bankruptcy or, more likely, change all the executives. So the CFO, Chief Financial Officer of Disney, uh, was fired or quit or had a medical emergency um, as a debate, but it seems like she was kind of let go. And I think the CFO at Disney is number two. So they fired their CEO, number one, I don't know, six months ago. They fired the number two. It's all for different reasons. It's complicated. But basically, Disney executives are kind of dropping like flies lately. And it made me look up, what are the, you know, what are the acronyms for the top people at a company? So the highest person is the CEO. Number two is the COO, Chief Operating Officer. Then after that, you got your CFO, financial officer. And after that, you got your C, 
TO or CIO, which is technology officer or information officer, um, different companies call that position one or the other. And I think that's pretty standard. There's a, you know, sometimes there's a high up chief human relations officer or a chief diversity officer. If you're, if you're a really woke company, you might make one of your type, top five a diversity person. And then Marvel Disney has a Disney Plus TV show called Secret Invasion coming out this week that, I don't know, the reviews I saw say it's bad. So it's just going to be one more chink in their armor. And I think this one's all about racism is bad too. It's the uh, Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson character. He's talking about how he was a spook in Russia. Not that kind of spook, the spy kind of spook. And he's talking to Don Cheadle, who's the black Iron Man from the movies. You know, he's kind of the sidekick, but he wears the armor. And they're talking about how, you know, they, did, they didn't replace incompetent, incompetent white men to have incompetent black men take over those jobs after them. Anyways, that's, you know, that's what superhero movies are today. And Secret Invasion is a thing from the comic books. It was a big deal. It was where the scrolls, which are shapeshifters who kind of take, you know, they take over people's identities and lives. And so in the comics, the Skrulls took over the identities and lives of all the superheroes, like Iron Man and Thor, etc. And then, you know, when you're fighting the supervillain, you don't know if the supervillain is... Well, I guess you don't know. Well, forget the supervillain. But you don't know if your ally, you know, if that's really Thor or if he's going to turn on you. I don't know. You get the idea. It's kind of... Uh, it's big. It's grandiose. But Secret Invasion, the TV show, I guess they don't have the budget, so the Skrulls are taking over normal people's <laughs> lives. So you thought that hot dog seller was a human? He's a Skrull, and he's going to put too much relish on your hot dog. And apparently when the Skrulls shapeshift into the human that they are, like, they'll do it, you know, they'll be like walking behind a pillar, and then they'll come out the other side as the human so they can save money on special effects. I guess it looks real cheap. Oh, when the blackening came out this week, it made $6 million. It was over half black people went to see it, which that's a lot, I think, for a horror movie. But it's a black horror movie. It looks like it might be funny. It got a B plus, which is cinema score, which is high for a horror movie. Below an A is bad for normal movies. Anywhere, you know, above a C plus is good for horror movies. The poster for The Blackening says, We can't all be the first to die, which is a horror movie trope that, you know, you got your seven friends that decide to camp out in the woods next to the lake where they all get killed, and then the black one is the first one to die. I don't know. I don't know if that's a true trope, but it happens. It's like people who have sex, girls who have sex are about to get killed. I guess. I just don't know if there's enough black horror movie tropes to make an entire movie or if you know there there's five of them and they're all in the trailer and on the poster and there ain't nothing else for when you actually watch it i don't know and then prisoners from 2013 was the number one movie on netflix and i don't know that's a good movie hugh jackman his son gets kidnapped and he's got to find the whatever pedophile and take him down and it's an old movie so i think maybe you know just netflix puts the movie at the top of your homepage or whatever, the dashboard. They probably put it at the top of the dashboard and then everyone watches this old movie. That's a good movie. And the second season of The Bear comes out this week, 
which I haven't seen, but apparently that's like maybe the best TV show that's out right now. Um, I think it's on Hulu, and it's about a guy who takes over his family restaurant, but it's supposed to be good. So I guess if you got Hulu, you could go back and watch that or watch the first and get ready for the second season. And this week I watched Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. And I liked it. Um, if it sounds like it, you might like it, I, you definitely will like it. If it doesn't sound like something you're interested in, then, you know, a lot of people, it's not exactly a kid's movie, but it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a chick flick. I like a chick flick every once in a while. I'd like to stick to guy flicks, but the guy flicks all star chicks and are woke as hell now. So hell, just give me a, give me a chick flick set in the, set in 1970. And Little Mermaid made, I think, 10 million in its fourth weekend domestic. So it's like, it's medium on domestic, terrible on international. So overall bad. The question is, does it make more or less than $500 million total? Um, either way, it's a bad result. But if it makes under 500 million, it's really gonna look bad. But we won't know on that one for weeks um even the anti-woke youtubers are, they've moved on they've moved on from little mermaid it did poorly enough everyone had their fun and they've moved on so jeffrey Sachs was on the non-zero podcast about a month ago and he's an economist who sometimes works for the government and he was asked you know why does the government keep choosing war basically for the last 30 years the stuff he knows about why does America keep choosing war and other military things when it could choose peace? And he said the high up people who are in charge of this stuff, um, they just want America to be the only powerful country. That's what they want. They don't want to help anyone out unless that helps out the goal of America being powerful and, you know, in the only powerful country. So you also got to keep the other countries down. And so Sachs is some super respected guy and after the soviet union broke up in 1989 they put him in charge of poland i guess different people got different countries he got one of the big ones and he went to poland he talked to the people there and he saw that that country was teetering on collapse and um, you know they owed money they didn't have no money they didn't have any way of getting money if america who had all the money Back then, I guess America was extra powerful in the late 80s, early 90s, even more than today. But if America didn't help Poland out, they were going to crash and burn. And so he called up the bigwigs in the government. It was the HW administration, but it, as the story continues, you'll see, it doesn't matter who the president is. The government continues on, right? Call it the deep state, call it the permanent governor, government, call it whatever you want, the feds. But he called him up and he's like, I need a trillion dollars worth of loans and stimulus for Poland. Otherwise, they're effed. And he called him in the morning. And by that evening, he had the trillion dollars to save Poland. And then I think a couple years later, um, or maybe three, I'm not sure. A while later, when it was the Clinton administration, and you'll see that it doesn't matter. Russia was having problems. So it's like, okay, that guy saved Poland. Maybe we should, you know, I think Russia asked, hey, guy who saved Poland, can you come save us? So we went to Russia, he talked to the people. It was just the exact same situation with the same, uh, you know, things needed. 
So I don't know if he called them in the morning, but he called up the government people, possibly in the morning, and said, we need a bunch of money to save Russia, otherwise they're going to crash and burn. And the people said, fuck Russia, no money for them. And I guess this is when Russia learned that we did not like them. Russia thought we were going to help them out, that we were all going to be friends together. And so I don't know exactly, you know, maybe the people are like, uh, you know, we're going to make an example out of you. You've been a, Russia, you've been a thorn in our side for decades. We're going to screw you, you know, we're going to make sure you crash and burn. It doesn't sound like America was really worried about Russia and thought that they were our equal and oh no, it's going to be us fighting Russia anymore. We knew, we knew we had them beat, even though Russia had nukes. Basically, they were just some not very consequential country, except they had nukes. And we didn't care that they had nukes because, you know, nuclear war, nuclear schmore. And I think that was about the same time that America cooked up a plan to take NATO all the way to and including Ukraine. And so that was kind of the start of what America was doing so that it could lead to the Russia attacking Ukraine. And then uh, Sachs was talking about the Biden administration and he said, Joe Biden... Um, Blinken, which is the Secretary of State, and then, I forget the guy's name, but the main advisor to Biden, he said they're all neocons. And Robert Wright, the other guy, uh, he's like, whoa, neocons? You, you sure you can call them that? Neocons, that's basically the word for warmongers, but you only apply it to, you know, Dick Cheney and George W. Bush's Iraq war guys normally. And Sachs like said, he, he said he was, Whatever. He likes to call them neocons. And he was talking to some politician and he called them neocons. And the politician was like, you can't call a Democrat a neocon. Are you crazy? Which I think that means that it's true. If someone, if that's the reaction you get, it means they are neocons. So I've said I'm not a Trump supporter many times on this podcast. And that's true. But so I have a rule. I just don't listen to politicians talk. But a few weeks ago, I listened to Trump talk, and he can just be hilarious, like you know, like a stand-up comedian. And it was kind of making me a fan. Now, being a fan and being a supporter is not the same thing. But anyways, I haven't, uh, I haven't heard him say anything funny for a few weeks, and so it's kind of worn off. And now I've just gone back to a, no- a normal non-supporter who hates people who have Trump derangement syndrome. So I was just staring at my navel. Thought I'd tell you that. All right. The official position of this podcast is lock her up, lock him up, and then investigate and lock him up too. And so that would be Hillary, Trump, and Biden. I mean, you got to do the same thing for all three. Uh, you could let them all go, I don't, which is probably what's going to happen. Much more fun would be to lock all of them up. So with Hillary, the FBI director said, Oh, we're not going to lock her. We're not, we're not going to prosecute her, he said. I don't think they're past the statute of limitations. They can change their mind on that anytime they want. God, I mean, I forgot about this. So not only did Trump say he was going to build a wall and didn't do shit, I think he said he was going to lock her up, and he didn't do shit. And so that comes to part two, which is lock Trump's ass up too. To take down the people I don't like, which is basically Biden, but also Hillary, uh... To remain consistent on that, you got to lock up Trump, Trump too. So I don't really care. I'm not like, I don't think it'll make me super, I don't know, jumping out of bed with the spring in my step to lock him up. 
But I will be consistent intellectually. I'm intellectually honest? No. I have intellectual integrity. So to keep that going, lock his ass up too. That's fine. And so with Trump, there's 37 things, crimes in his indictment. And I believe 32 of them are about taking paperwork, doing something with paperwork. And it's actually debatable whether or not those crimes are real crimes. And then the last five things, everyone agrees he did. It's where they're like, hey, give us back the paperwork. And he said no. Or more likely he ignored them, etc. But, you know, the effect was no. I mean, it led to them like saying, hey, do you got our paperwork? He's like, no. And then they're like, that's a lie. You lied to an official person. That's a crime. And that's obstruction of justice. So you got, you got two crimes in there. I don't know, there's five of them. But somehow it turns into two, uh, those two things turn into five crimes, which is you can't lie to certain officials and you can't, you know, trying to cover up a crime, I guess your lies, <laughs> is obstructing justice. And so that is why the long investigation that's been going into Biden, you know, the, basically the same... T- Anyways, they got, a, they got a parallel investigation that's basically the same going into Biden and his documents, but they have not asked Biden personally any questions. And the reason why, if you ask them the questions, you're going to be doing it as an official who can't be lied to, then he's going to lie to you, and then Biden's going to break the exact same law. This happened to Bill Clinton. Like, Bill Clinton got a blowjob from a woman who was not his wife, which is totally legal, but then they're like, okay, here's the, here's the official you can't lie to. Hey, did you get a blowjob? And he's like, no. And they're like, boom, you committed a crime. We gotcha. And basically, you know, to be a politician, your job is to lie. They can't bring themselves to not lie. I think, I think that their answers, um, well, there's a good chance that it'll get out to the public. So, you know, basically they just got to lie. They can't help themselves. Plus, maybe it helps them out. Anyways, they always lie. So as soon as you interview them, Boom, you got him on a whole bunch of crimes. That's why they're not interviewing Biden. So I just want to point that out. Uh, until they interview Biden, they are not serious about taking him down. And basically, they can take him down anytime they want. All they have to do is interview him. So the big news this week is Trump getting indicted over the classified documents. So, you know, all the podcasts I listen to that cover the news, that's what they're talking about. I can't get away from it. And I will say the uh, mainstream media, you know, far left wing outlets and then the conservative outlets that I listen to, they're all preaching from the same hymn book. They're all saying the same thing. Basically, Trump broke the law. He needs to be punished for it. You know, just because Hillary Clinton broke the same law and didn't get punished doesn't mean that he gets to go free. You know, you got to you know, what, what does this lead to? Does it mean you're never going to punish people? you got to start punishing people right, you know, starting now. Now's a good time to start punishing people when they break the law. And I wish someone would do a study on this, but I think everyone who's saying that, left and right, all saying the same thing, they're all people who support sending weapons to Ukraine. Basically, if you want to send weapons to Ukraine and give money to the military industrial complex and make America the you know the global hegemon and blah blah power 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 then what you say is you got to start enforcing the law sometime he broke the law this is serious business throw him in prison lock him up and i think the left wing people 
would not say, well, Hillary should have been prosecuted and thrown in prison. And then the right wing people will say, well, Hillary should have been thrown in prison. Like, you know, they diverge on that. What they don't diverge on is talking about Biden. Just don't mention, don't mention Biden and the ongoing investigation by Robert Hur into his classified document stuff. Because that's tricky. That's still going on. That's in the future. It's not something in the past and who cares about Hillary. And I was listening to the Dispatch podcast this morning, which has Sarah Isker, my favorite pundit, and then a couple neocon warmongers. And so they were deflecting because, I mean, basically it's motivated reasoning. You know, they want maximum war. And so you just make up any uh, rationale for the various things that will promote more war or, or, you know, tamp down the things that might stop war. And so the question is, uh, what do you think about one administration prosecuting the, you know, the guy that they're about to run against? And they're like, well, he broke the law. If you got to prosecute him and he can't be president, then too bad. And then Sarah's like, uh, you know, how about, how about this being the real motivation? You prosecute, you know, Biden says prosecute Trump because that will make Republican voters rally around Trump. And that will make Trump the nominee. Like, prosecute him to make him the nominee. Because that's the guy we think we can beat in the general. And I think that's right. Their excuse for that is like, oh, that's 3D chess. No one's doing that. I mean, that is whatever. I was screaming it at my little speaker. I got a little uh, Bluetooth speaker. I was yelling at my Bluetooth speaker that thing. And then Sarah said it for me. So anyways, that's a thing that they don't want to talk about. But it's, it's, it happened in 2022 where Democrats ran ads in support of Trumpish nominees for the Republican primaries. Like most famously, they had a, it was, uh, the guy running for governor as a Republican in Pennsylvania, he was a real whack job Trumper. And so Republicans are like, we could beat that guy easy. And so they put a bunch of money into making him the Republican nominee. Right, you know, they go around saying, oh, everything's a threat to democracy when they are paying money to get the, you know, the, supposedly the most evil Trumpish persons, you know, on the ballot. I mean, they're getting them on the ballot. They don't actually want them to win, but they're, they're, they're playing with fire. So, you know, if they actually believe that they're dangerous, obviously they don't believe they're dangerous other than possibly how Trumpish people might not support war. I guess that's it. There is one danger of Trump and Trump supporters, which is they might not support more war. And I got motivated reasoning. I do not like Joe Biden. Um, I liked him up to the point where he pulled us out of Afghanistan. A lot of people say that was a mistake. I thought that was great. But anyway, that was the last time I liked him. I was like, right on, get us out of Afghanistan. Stop these wars, foreign wars. And then he's been doing a bunch of weird transgender racism against whites and war stuff ever since so i don't like him anymore and so sarah told an interesting story apparently joe's son hunter has a daughter that he did not acknowledge or try he tried to not acknowledge her for a long time and he didn't want to pay child support i think he's suing the mom because the mom wants to change change the daughter's last name to biden so that's all just Hunter stuff, I guess. But then Joe Biden is kind of famously, he likes to list all of his grandchildren. He's so proud. He loves them so much. 
his grandchildren, and he likes to list out all their names. But when he's listing those names, he does not mention this four-year-old girl. Joe Biden is like, fuck that four-year-old little bitch. I want Joe Biden thrown in prison till he's dead. I mean, I voted for the guy, and I voted for someone who was going to be moderate on cultural issues and then not start a bunch of wars as far as foreign policy goes. And we don't know exactly, you know, what's coming out of Joe Biden's mind, or is he so old that other people are just doing everything and he has no clue? But anyways, we didn't get a moderate. We got a hardcore, woke administration that's racist as hell against whites. And no sooner did we pull out of Afghanistan than we got a, you know, much more expensive war in Ukraine going. And we don't know how many Americans are dying in that war, but some are. Uh, I think the CIA has a wall or something of people's names who die when they're CIA agents. And it's all secret or whatever. What they were doing, we're working on was secret. So they just put your name there. They don't say what you did. Um, but I think since, since the Ukraine war got going, uh, a, bunch of, a bunch of extra names have gone up there. And I think, I mean, you know, they're not going to tell us, but those are CIA agents who died in Ukraine. And so you can count those and, you know, other Americans who died, we don't know. But anyways, it's a real war. It's a proxy war, but Americans are dying. Just in case there's anyone who, you know, supports the war because, hey, it's just the Ukrainians who are dying. And so Donald Trump got fingerprinted and he's, I don't know what, he got arrested and fingerprinted and they're going to have a court case in Florida. And it's all about these classified documents that he was misusing. And you know who else misused classified documents? Hillary Clinton. And who else besides that? Joe Biden. And so at this point, we know that Hillary Clinton did all the stuff that one needs to do to go to prison till she's dead. Just like Donald Trump did what he needed to do to go to prison till he's dead. And then Joe Biden, we don't know. Why aren't they investigating him? Uh... Whatever. They're, they're not investigating him because they don't want to. They don't want to investigate him because if they do, they're going to find out that he also deserves to go to prison until he's dead. And Tucker Carlson did his third episode on Twitter on Tuesday, and he's basically saying a lot of, this, a lot of the stuff that I say. He was saying that Donald Trump signed his own death warrant or whatever back in uh, 2016 at the Republican debate when he said that the Iraq war was a was a terrible idea and everyone who lied to get us into that Iraq war knew they were lying. They're liars and they knew it. And that meant that Donald Trump was, you know, when he was president, the government wasn't going to do what he said. And then I guess after he was president, um, it's off to prison for you, buddy. And I think that's not exactly right, but I mean, it's, it's kind of right. It ain't wrong. Tucker was calling the, the, the deep state, he was calling them the permanent government. Right? Deep state is just a name for all the government workers who don't change each time a new president is elected. The ones who keep their jobs, regardless of Republican or Democrat. Which is a lot of people. I mean, you know, that includes... People who work for the, you know, control the Federal Reserve and the head of the CIA and the FBI, 
but it also includes, I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of federal dog catcher. So they're, they're part of the deep state too. Permanent government? I don't know. I, I want a better word for it where it doesn't sound like you're doing a conspiracy theory. There is a conspiracy, but you don't want it to sound like you're doing a conspiracy theory. But I don't know what percentage of all those deep state permanent government employees are neocons who support the war, make money off the war, are married to someone who makes money off of the war. But it's not all of them. It's probably not even half of them. Um, but I think, you know, if, if... I don't know. It's like there, there's some sort of saying, which is like, one out of two people is an idiot. So look at the, you know, look at the person next to you. If they're not an idiot, then you're the idiot. And so not all the government employees are warmongering neocons, but, you know, the person at the desk next to them is one or their wife's boss is one i mean you're not very far away from them and so when it's your time to you know how far are you going to take this investigation into trump and how far are you going to take this investigation into biden you know there's just an atmosphere that says take the trump one real far and uh stop that biden one right now now here's some just this is just speculation spitballing i don't even think it's true but maybe just like the theory that if ukraine loses to russia big time soon uh it may break up nato it may also make the mainstream media in america go why be why be why have we been lying to the american public so much to help out joe biden with his wars when the whole thing was just going to blow up in our face you know like maybe we should start telling the truth about stuff and maybe we'll go investigate Biden if the FBI won't do it. And if you remember the media back in 2001, 9-11, uh, after that, the media was left-wing back then, too. And yet they all got behind the Iraq War. And I think it took five years for that one before America turned on it. It was like George Bush got in there, he started the war, he got the war was starting to go bad. George Bush got reelected for his next four years, and then everyone's like, "Oh yeah, this war sucks." You know, now that we got George Bush in there to continue it at least for you know the next three four years, uh, now we can speak the truth about the Iraq War. It's a shit show. You know, everyone lied to you. They're all retired now and got their pensions, but they're a bunch of liars. But now we got the internet. We got podcasts. We got my podcast. God damn it. And uh, I think the life cycle of these lying-ass wars is going to be a lot quicker now. And I think I said that Biden is not being investigated, but actually there is a special counsel appointed to him. Uh, I think his name is Robert Hur, And he's a Republican, but I think he's an anti-woke Republican who was involved with trying to take Trump down for Russiagate. And it's the Attorney General who appoints special counsels, and then, of course, Biden, you know, can hire and fire the attorney general. Um, and so I think the attorney general was getting awkward questions about why aren't you investigating Biden? And so I think in January, he appointed a special counsel and he picked one that would be, I think, basically on Biden's side. I mean, the only way we'll ever know is if he, <laughs> whatever, if he throws Biden in prison, then you're like, oh, well, I guess he was an honest special counsel. And I, don't, I think maybe the special counsel used to be called independent counsel. 
Well, anyways, they used to be independent. I think after Watergate, they created these independent special counsels who could just, well, whatever. There was no one in charge of them, and they could do whatever they wanted. I think that was what the, the guy who tried to take down Bill Clinton was one of them. But maybe 10, 15 years ago, they switched him from being independent to being the attorney general oversees them. And so, you know, they can do all their investigating. They can come up with the rock-solid proof that this person should go to prison, like Trump. And then the attorney general can say, well, that's fine, but we're not going to prosecute. So apparently the attorney general signed off on the prosecution of Trump. And we'll see if he would sign off on the prosecution of his boss, Joe Biden. The Supreme Court ruled on a Voting Rights Act law which I think is considered to be the second biggest case of the year after affirmative action, and it's similar. And the facts of the case are that Alabama has seven districts, one of which is majority black, so they vote in a black person, but Alabama is 27% black citizens, so... Depending on how you draw the lines, they could vote in two black people. And I think a lot of people were thinking that the conservatives would strike down the Voting Rights Act stuff and say that's racist, or whatever. Actually, not that that's racist against whites, but that America has come such a long way since slavery that we don't need it anymore. But Kavanaugh and Roberts, uh, I guess they're the two squishes, they joined the Liberals for a 5-4 decision to keep the voting rights stuff having some teeth. And this may be a little bit of a prediction for what's going to happen with affirmative action. They probably, they're not going to strike it down with the hammer of God. It's going to be more nuanced and squishy. But I think that's, that's two or three weeks away to find out on that one. But Alabamans, the black ones vote 90% Democrat, and the white ones vote 85% Republican. And the Supreme Court has previously ruled you can gerrymander all you want if it's for Republican-Democrat stuff, but you can't gerrymander for, raci you know, for racial things. But the problem is, what if race and Democrat-Republican are exactly the same, like in Alabama? So those are the facts. What about the law? Oh, I heard the other day, juries decide based on facts, judges based decide on the law. Or something like that. You, you know what I'm saying. Actually, juries decide the facts, judges decide the law. So, you know, the facts are, you shot that person with a gun and killed them, therefore, you're, you're going down for murder. And then, apparently, the facts are, Black people are getting screwed when you try and screw over Democrats. So that's racist. You can't do it. And I don't have this stuff exactly right, but it's something to do with maybe the 14th and the 15th Amendment and then the 1965 um, Voting Rights Act. 64, they did the Civil Rights Act. 65, they did the Voting Rights Act. It was kind of all a, you know, a thing going on. Martin Luther King getting ready for a whole bunch of riots that destroyed black neighborhoods, well, until today. We're going to make you equal under the law. We're going to burn down every business in our neighborhood. And now we'll never have jobs and never be equal. But 
I think it's the 14th Amendment, it does something equal, and it basically says you can discriminate against white people, I think basically, because of the history of slavery. Like if that was so that's in the Constitution, right? So that's it's in the Constitution that you can pass laws. Oh, that's right. It says Congress can pass laws that wouldn't normally be constitutional if they're passing those laws to try and make up for slavery. And so that's interesting. I don't think I always knew that that was I didn't know that was in the Constitution. And then the Voting Rights Act basically says you have to be nice to black people and give them um, black politicians that they can elect by putting a bunch of, well, actually it doesn't even go into gerrymandering. Normally it's like you can't do poll, you know, IQ, basically you can't do like IQ tests to vote. But anyway, somehow that stuff got thrown out. You know, no one's doing IQ tests or, you know, reading tests, what they would call it. Um, anyways, no one's doing any of that stuff anymore. The only thing that's left over finally in these days is gerrymandering. You know, how do you draw the lines? And so the Voting Rights Act said, you can't be mean to black people, which now means to gerrymandering, but it also says you can't do quotas. And I think that was because Congress at the time was divided on exactly how we're going to, wasn't making up for slavery, but maybe, anyways, how we're going to make people equal in America. I guess getting rid of Jim Crow. And so they kind of, whatever, they threw in things. The people who didn't quite agree with, you know, some people were like, hey, let's just not discriminate against anyone. And people, some people were like, uh, you're doing that because you want to, because you like white people too much. If you just say anyone. Anyway, so they said, okay, you can't do quotas. And this is something that happens with affirmative action too. They're like, oh, you can do blah, blah, but you can't do quotas. And so everyone's like, well, the only, you know, the only thing anyone wants to do, literally the only thing anyone wants to do is quotas. They want to say, black people are 13% of America, make them 30% of Harvard. Black people are 27% of Alabama, make them, you know, let them have 27% of the representatives in Alabama. But at every turn, there's, in the law, they put in these specific things saying no quotas. And anyways, America's not racist. And America loves black people. And so, basically, you know, this case, they just said, yeah, it, sa it says do it, and it says don't do it. So we're going to come down on the thing where we say, well, even though it says no quotas, we're going to have a quota. And so now Alabama's going to have to redraw their things and give, uh, make sure that uh, two black districts. Oh, more of the history. So it was Roberts and Kavanaugh who were the two squishes. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't think I disagree with them. I think they're going by the law. I think they're reading the law correctly, especially since this is a thing where you could go either way, totally justified to go either way. Actually, that's not true. But anyways, I mean, these things where they say no quotas and then you do a quota, seems like you just shouldn't be able to do it then. But in any case, the reason why people thought that the Voting Rights Act stuff was just going to be completely gutted and go away was because, including Roberts, they had previously struck down this thing where states in the South had to run their... They had to run everything by the Department of Justice. They're like, we're going to do this. Hey, Department of Justice, is it okay if we do this? And the Department of Justice could... Oh, pre-clear. They had to get pre-clearance on any changes they wanted to make and ask the Department of Justice if they were being too racist, and the Department of Justice would tell them yes or no. 
And I guess in the law, it specifically stated which states had to do this, and it was basically the old Confederate states. And so they had gotten rid of pre-clearance, I think even when there was less conservatives on the court, and, and Roberts had been part of that. Anyway, so it seemed like the court was going all one direction, but now I think it kind of muddies the waters. Now that, you know, every time you want to jerry, every time you do some gerrymandering in the South, it's going to go straight to the Supreme Court, and they're going to say, I guess they're going to, for a while, I guess for, at least for now, they're going to say, that's a quota, but we're going to allow it. All right, Twitter handle at Anti-Woke Podcast, YouTube Anti-Woke Podcast. You can leave voice comments, and I'll put them into the podcast on Spotify. I think you can do text comments also. Uh, Yeah, criticize me. Come on, come at me, bro. Cash me outside, and thanks for listening.